Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and welcome to today's podcast. I am extremely excited about this podcast. Now, I know I say that all the time, but I am really excited about this podcast. And if you could see the face of the guests that I have today, you would even be more excited because I can tell she's excited about being <laughs> on the podcast. And that excites me when people are excited about being on the podcast. So I want everyone to make welcome, you know, clap your hands there in the car, but don't, you know, don't steer off the road while you do that. But <laughs> we welcome Peggy Bodie from Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Peggy, welcome to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. And you are right. I am very excited to be here and to be part of your message of hope. Great. I'm just so, I'm really pumped about this uh, for numbers of reasons, but number one is because you have a message of hope that I really want our listeners to get a hold of and hear from you today. For those of you who don't know who Peggy is, she is a writer She's a leader. She's founder of a ministry called Sacred Work. And at the close of the podcast, we'll give you the website and information where you can get to that. She, uh, I, I love this on your, and I told you, Peggy, I love this on your website. It says you are a crafter of words, a leader of people, and a follower of Jesus. I just love that. I think that's beautiful. Peggy loves helping Christian women grow as leaders in the workplace. Peggy herself, though she only looks like she's 35, spent over 20, <laughs> 20 years in the corporate workplace. I'm doing everything to get you on my side today, Peggy. I really am. It's working. Yeah. She was in the corporate leadership for over 20 years, but as Peggy states in her website, that she really loves most of all, and what she loved doing in the corporate world was mentoring women. And so she is a mentor to women who are look, looking to be better followers of Jesus, as well as to do a better job out there working in the corporate workplace. So again, Peggy, welcome to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Thank you, Mark. Peggy, I want us to, to step right into your story today because, as I've already mentioned, you have an amazing story of what God's grace and mercy has done for you and your life. And so I want you you're comfortable to just take us back to the days of your childhood and walk us through the life of Peggy Bodie and what God has done in your life. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to share um, because I think that those common experiences can give hope to other people. Um, so I was born and grew up in the Chicago area. I was adopted as a baby, but unlike most adoption stories, mine didn't have a happy ending. My adoptive parents were abusive and unsafe. Um, looking back, I think there were probably mental health issues at play. Um, on the outside, everything looked normal. So 
Um, there was no drugs. There were no alcohol, no alcohol. Um, we were a middle-class home and my adoptive mother didn't work outside the home. The house was neat and tidy. Um, all of that really made it more dangerous for me because there was no reason for anyone to suspect that abuse was going on. On top of that, we went to church regularly, but my adoptive parents instilled in me a really skewed understanding of God. So they taught me that when I was good enough, God would accept me. But until then, I deserved everything that was happening to me because I was bad. So this was really confusing for me mm -hmm. because I was learning about Jesus in Sunday school, but what was happening inside the home didn't match what I was learning. And I was constantly hearing the message that I didn't deserve to be loved. So that's how I saw God for a big part of my life. He would love me once I deserved it and once I earned it. So as a kid, I felt like God was far away, you know, like he had abandoned me and really didn't care about what was happening to me. Um, as a kid, because of the situation in the home, I was hyper-focused on performance. So I chased after my adoptive parents' approval in every way possible, academically. Anything I, I, I took on, even as a little kid, I tried to be the best because I thought that would make them love me. So I became a, an overachiever at a young age. Yeah. Um, I loved school. It was an escape for me and it was a safe, a safe place. Um, so that was, and I had some great teachers, which really helped. Um, but everything in my life changed when I was 12. So when I was 12, we moved from the Chicago area to a small town in Georgia. And that's where my adoptive father's family lived. And with that move, the abuse escalated. My adoptive mother was Japanese, and she went from living in a large, diverse city to a tiny southern town surrounded by her in-laws. So that changed family dynamics. She also had to go to work outside the home for the first time because my adoptive father couldn't find um, a job making as much money as he had in the Chicago area. So she resented that. And a lot of that anger um, was taken out on me. So even though I was still a kid at age 12, I could feel that our world was smaller now and more visible because we were surrounded by family. Um, it gave me courage. So I started fighting back and threatening to expose what was going on inside the home. So as a result of that, I was kicked out of the house a year later when I was 13, uh, which people often say to me, you know, that, that seems really scary to me, but it wasn't scary to me. It was a relief to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard to imagine, you know, but it had, that just has to underscore how tough the situation had to be at home for that to be a relief to you, to be on your own at 13. I can't imagine. It. It was brutal. Um, it was, a, you know, there was physical abuse, emotional abuse, and it was constant. Um, it had actually reached the point after we moved to Georgia that, um, you know, I, I even tried to take my own life as a kid. And I wasn't, I don't know how to explain it other than saying it was very matter of fact. It, I wasn't, um, I wasn't even despondent. I was more just I had decided I couldn't live yeah. like that anymore. Um, so I, 
leaving really saved my life. Um, and I knew that when I walked away from that house, that wherever I ended up would be safer than the place I had come from. And someone asked me later, you know, well, why didn't you leave before? And it's so strange. And I think it's part of the emotional abuse um, element, but it's almost like I needed permission. It didn't really occur to me as a kid that I could just walk out. But when they told me to leave, then I did. <laughs> I wow. packed up a garbage bag and, and I left. Um, when I think about it as an adult now, I know that God was watching over me because Absolutely. Sure? if I'd been kicked out of the house when I was in the Chicago area, I definitely wouldn't be talking to you today. Mm-hmm. So um, surprisingly, social services was never involved. Um, I bounced around from family to family. And I finally ended up with uh, a couple named Jim and Kathy Brown. And they already had five kids, but they took me in without hesitating. They believed in me and loved me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And that was really the first glimpse I had of of God's love in action. Um, They they didn't receive any benefits from the state or anything like that. But um, I, I stayed with them until I left for college. And... During that time, God put other key people in my life to come alongside me and encourage me, like my best friend, Karen, her friendship. She came from a really stable home. Her friendship Mm -hmm. provided stability for me when my own home life was upside down. Um, We met as soon as I moved to um, Georgia, which I know was God's divine orchestration too. Um, I was 12 and she is still my best friend today. So God really was watching over me. Yeah. He, he had his hand on me for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine. I I try to visualize and and I'm telling you, I I get choked up. I really am seriously choked up as I think about walking out of a home with just a garbage bag, not even a suitcase, just a garbage bag. And yet to think that the all seeing eye of God was right there. And his hand was no doubt upon you, Peggy, guiding you until eventually you came to that home. You talked a little bit about that family and about your best friend. What would you say was it that they showed you that was so pivotal in your life outside of providing security or friendship? Was there something even deeper that they provided to you that had been missing? in those other years of your life? Well, for Jim and Kathy Brown, um, I think that, you know, they, they definitely loved me unconditionally, which, Mm -hmm. which was incredible. And I had never experienced that before. That was healing for me, Mm -hmm. um, to have that in parental figures. Um, but they also believed me, um, during that time period, child advocacy wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. A, a lot of adults were afraid to get involved or they were suspicious thinking that I had done something to deserve what had happened to me, um, that I had deserved being kicked out of the home. Mm-hmm. So when you find a couple who look you in the face and say, we believe you, we believe in you, you have a safe place here, for as long as you need it, that is pretty healing. I mean, that, that was remarkable for me to, 
to just have someone look me in the face and say, we, we believe you. Um, but they also gave me encouragement. I'd never had that before. I, um, I, I'd always had the opposite, you know, being told that I wasn't worth loving and that I wasn't good enough and that I'd never be good enough. And a lot of other name calling, um, that kids should never hear. And then the Browns come along and they, they're here. They are encouraging me. You know, you can do that. You can do whatever you put your mind to get involved, take chances, you know, try it out. So, um, amazing. It was just, yeah, yeah, it was, it was so, so amazing. Mm -hmm. And for Karen, my best friend, I think the biggest gift she gave me was acceptance. Um, you know, she, um, and, and she was just, I can't even find the words to, de- to describe her. God knew exactly mm-hmm. what I needed in a best friend. And I think that's mm-hmm. evident because, you know, we're in our fifties now and we're still best friends. Um, that's and, so neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's so neat to me because you said some things that I find so common among people that are, that have gone through trauma, especially childhood trauma. And that is somebody believing your story. You know, because a lot of people out there, they just can't, no one will believe that things, because everything looks so good on the surface, that it's hard to believe that really behind closed doors, that's the way life really is for them. And then the matter of love and acceptance. Uh, You know, and, and I think about, especially Peggy, for you with that performance model that came early in your life, hoping that if you were smart enough, achieved enough, did enough, somehow you would get people who didn't love you to love you, people who didn't accept you to accept you. And then God in his goodness brought people along who showed you grace, that you didn't have to strive to be accepted or loved. You just, they just loved you for who you are. That, that had to be extremely powerful and life-changing for you. It was, it was really powerful. And with the Browns and with Karen, I think um, in those situations, the view I had of Jesus, of the Jesus that I learned about in Sunday school started lining up, um, you know, for the first time here on earth. Um, and, and I, you know, everything didn't change spiritually for me immediately. You know, it wasn't like a divine epiphany because there was way too much baggage and trauma for that. But it was the start. It was the start of me seeing, oh, okay this is the love of Jesus. It's not what I was brought up to hear. That's beautiful. So take us to the college years and now you're out there and you're alert and you're finding yourself and you're becoming who you are today. Well, tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, I went to college and graduated with a degree in English. And my intention was to teach um, and then to go on to law school. And I was accepted to law school, but the summer before I ended up working for a small business and absolutely fell Mm -hmm. in love with the business world. And that is something I never, never anticipated, but, um, I ended up working in business for 25 years. So that tells you how much I enjoyed it. Um, wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. In 2014, I left my position as the senior vice president of an international company 
to pursue a full-time writing career, which may sound like a stretch, but um, I always loved writing and I never, never stopped writing from the time I wrote in my strawberry shortcake journal when I was, you know, a kid um, up until now. I mean, I have probably 200 journals. Um, So even in the business world, any opportunity to write, I took Mm -hmm. it. I was kind of the resident scribe. So it wasn't a big jump for me to go um, into writing. And Mm -hmm. I eventually found my niche. I started my own business called Word Studio. So today I write mostly for educational publishers, Mm -hmm. but also for different marketing firms. Um, My passion, as you mentioned in the introduction, Mark, is helping women grow and develop as leaders and as in their careers. Mm -hmm. So I write a lot of faith-based articles um, for women in leadership. And I just signed a book contract with Wendy Lawton at Books and Such Literary Management. And she's working to bring my book to market. So she's shopping it out Mm -hmm. to different publishers. And the working title is Sacred Work, Equipping Christian Women to Lead with Strength. So I'm super excited about the possibility of, of having that published. That's great. You know, uh, I think about the title of your book. Now, I'm not trying to play psychologist here, okay? But, <laughs> you know, I think about a little girl who had no power. No, She was held in a situation where she was powerless for so many years. And yet to think that God has brought you to a point to where he has empowered you and equipped you and enabled you to move beyond being a victim to where you're living a victorious life. You're not held by that, and now you're even helping others to move into that state of from powerlessness to being empowered. Uh, I think it's beautiful, and I, and, and I really think to me, as I, as I look at the, the, the breadth of your story, it is amazing how God took you from a state of powerlessness to where he has empowered you and equipped you to do what you're doing today. Don't you find that just, I just find that remarkable, Peggy. I, I appreciate those kind words. And, um, I think that's really insightful and it makes me think of the story of Joseph Mm -hmm. and how, you know, scripture tells us that the enemy intended to harm you, but, but God can use that. God used it for good. And that's what I, I see as having happened in my story, because even though what I went through was terrible, it instilled in me work ethic. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a defender. I'm an advocate for others. I have empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things really help, um, help me as a strong, Mm -hmm. you know, become a strong leader, help me become a strong leader and gave me qualities that if I hadn't gone through all of that, I, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have. Yeah. So, um, I think that's it's my beautiful. heart. Yeah, that's my heart to advocate for to be an advocate for others for sure. Peggy, man, I could just we could just go on and on forever, but I I want to transition and do something here. So let's put ourselves in a favorite coffee shop somewhere with soft Christmas or jazz music playing in the background. You can smell the muffins and the coffee and you can, you know, you all the sights and sounds and the crackling of the fire. And we're in this little coffee shop 
But imagine yourself sitting there with another lady who maybe her story isn't just like yours, but maybe there is heartache and trauma or she feels like she's stuck. Um, what, would you, what would you say to that woman who looks at you with tears in her eyes and just feels like they can't get over their past or that somehow their past defines them and they don't feel like there's hope for them? What would be something, something you would say to them, maybe two or three things that you would like to, to share with that person? Well, a couple of things come to mind. Um, the first thing is, is pretty practical, and that is that counseling is critical. Mm-hmm. So children aren't equipped to manage trauma, and that part of us just stays broken as we grow into adults. So Mm -hmm. I've gone to a lot of counseling to overcome the trauma I experienced as a child. And I think that Christian counseling is imperative. So I would encourage that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think another thing I would say to that woman is that learning um, the truth about forgiveness is important because Mm -hmm. when we've been traumatized and we've been a victim, um, sometimes we can get caught up in what I would say is kind of a traditional teaching about forgiveness, which is that forgiveness requires reconciliation or that forgiveness uh, means that the other party is excused for what they did. When in reality, that's not scriptural and it's not true. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness basically frees us from, from bitterness. We're not bound up by that. We can be free. Um, And it's a gift that we can give ourselves and it is possible through Christ. Um, so I would encourage forgiveness, but forgiveness in, in the true sense, not in, in the perception that we can sometimes get from, um, from others. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I think the last thing I would say is that, um, God sees you, he loves you. And Mm -hmm. if there's anyone listening to your podcast right now, that's gone through childhood trauma and feels stuck, know that God is big enough to shoulder our questions and our anger. We can, Mm -hmm. we can lay it all on him. He can handle it. It's not disrespectful. He knows what we've gone through. He saw us, he was right there. Um, And I think accepting that and having real and, you know, genuine and hard conversations with God will just start us on a path where we can have a genuine relationship with him. So I would say he has a plan for you that will blow your mind. So trust him Amen. and follow him and That's you won't great. be disappointed. Peggy, that is so good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us today. Is there anything else before we wrap things up today that you would like to share or say here on the, on the podcast today? Um, The only other thing I would say, and, and, you know, I love your uh, podcast because it focuses on hope. And I think as Christians, we need to be brokers of hope. Um, And and I believe in the power of hope, but I I think it's important to remember that the enemy knows that and he will do whatever he can to try to take that, um, that anchor of hope away. So I would just encourage um, your listeners to uh, to recognize that and to draw, to draw close to God and, and stay, um, in tune with him and hang on to that anchor of hope. Amen. That's great. Well, Peggy, uh, do you mind giving out some information like your website or how, cause there could very well be somebody out there that would like to connect with you or 
contact you. So share any contact information you'd like to today. Thanks. I would love to. My website is PeggyBodie.com. And I would love for your listeners to subscribe for free career and leadership resources. My email address is also on the website. So they can email me if they could use a career or leadership mentor, or if they just want to say hello. I'm also really active on LinkedIn. Um, I have a private group there called Sacred Work for Christian Women. So um, if your listeners want to find me on LinkedIn, I would love that. That's great, Peggy. And that's how I found you was on LinkedIn. Yes. Even though even though I'm not in that woman's group for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so I just think it's so providential how our lives connected through LinkedIn. And it's a joy to have you today, Peggy. God bless you and God bless the work of your hands. Thank you for taking time to share today on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. And listeners, as I always want to remind you, and Peggy's story underscores us that Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. If you look to Jesus, he will help you find hope along life's journey. God bless you, and thank you for listening today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.